Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to the Autocar Podcast, my week in cars. Steve Cropley and I are back in the broom cupboard. Hello, Stephen. <laughs> Hello, mate. Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, I like it. I do like Fantastic it. Fantastic acoustics, I think. Amazing acoustic from all of the electric scooters and the photography, photography equipment and the old magazines and everything. It's, it's, I, I like being here, mate. Even like smells it very good. Much. It does. <laughs> Over the next half an hour or thereabouts, Steve and I are going to be talking various things motoring, including the Abarth 500e, uh, Dacia Spring, Morgan Super 3, much more besides, including some of your correspondence. Steve, I'm going to read a letter... Uh, from the mag, which was sent to us by Tony Shute. Oh, oh Tony Shute of Lotus Elise of Lotus fame. Lotus fame. Or yeah. Lotus fame, yeah. Yeah. With electric vehicle sales rapidly increasing, uh, says Tony, would it not be timely for the EU's legislators to have another look at their official range figures? Back in 2018, a new test standard for fuel economy for internally combusted cars and range for electric cars was introduced, going from the NEDC, New European Drive Cycle, to the Worldwide Harmonised Light Vehicle Test Programme, Test Procedure, WLTP, to give more realistic attainable figures. Whereas fuel consumption for combusted vehicles is important for running costs, including tax categories, the issue of range seems to be the predominant metric for EVs. Looking at several of the reports in Autocar, it seems quite apparent that an EV's range is significantly affected by ambient temperature. Therefore, should there not be another official range figure with an emphasis on driving in low-slash-winter temperatures? With the development of new battery chemistries, that will change EVs' low temperature and charging rate characteristics. Together with the introduction of EVs with smaller batteries to save both weight and cost, it would be good to have a more realistic view of range when selecting a new EV. He's right. I think he's right. That was our, in fact, it's so right, it was our letter of the week a couple of weeks ago, but I thought it was important to to mention it here. Yeah, I think he's on to something, is he? Absolutely, yeah, I think so. And uh, I think there are two, to me, there are two things that are important. One is some cars have heat pumps and others don't, mm. so their performance in in uh, cold weather is dramatically different. Some yeah. are some are very good, or some are pretty good, and others are rubbish. Yeah. But also, d- we're finding that some manufacturers, i.e., the Koreans, in my mind, are better at hitting their WLTP figures than some of the others. Yeah. So, I I reckon the more the more realistic information that's available, the better. It just can't yeah. be bad. I mean, know? the better it is for a customer, isn't it? That's the yeah. that's the truth of it. I mean, it's all very well saying a range is two ninety. I had a bloke talk to me earlier. He, uh, he was looking at a Polestar two, and the, I think the WLTP range is two ninety on a long range one. And I said I ran one for six months, and I was getting between one ninety and two thirty, and yeah. never really any more than any more than that. And it's and he was like, oh crikey, that's a surprise. Like, well, yeah. I mean, if you come from an internally combusted car just costs you a bit more but yeah. actually with a with an ev it can be more critical than that can't it I think. Yeah. yeah but of course you know the thing we find don't we is that um when you get better at driving them you you know your predicted range improves because your absolutely. technique gets better yes absolutely yeah and and i mean that is part of the fun of it isn't it but but even so pe- people who just arrive at an ev driving like they drive a petrol car 
are usually rather shocked by the range, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, can well be. Yeah. Um, on which note, mate, the Abarth 500E you've spent time in this week? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, yeah. um, it was, it was the thing I enjoyed as well as the car was the route because it was in my patch. It was a a, a bunch of roads between Caffeina Machine, which is mm. halfway up the Fossway, well known to me. Yeah. And Cheltenham, which is, you know, where my kids went to school. I know the town really well. I don't know the surroundings well. I, I fly from from Gloucester Airfield and I fly <laughs> over those roads. But they put me on roads that I'd never been on before and they were nice roads. Some of oh, them. really? Um, <clears throat> so it just amazed me how how you can live in a district for a long time and still not really know what know everything. Yeah. But the car, the car was, uh, I found... Um, you know, cheerful, cheeky, uh, sporty little Fiat 500-ish car. You know, I know they say it's not a Fiat, but... But it is, it underneath, is. you know, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, none the worse for that, anyway. Yeah. But uh, pokey, you know, goes well, much better than a than a Fiat 500 electric. Okay. Uh, quite a lot more grunt, mm. and um, it talky, therefore, they're, you know, a good step off. I think it saves something like two seconds... On the on the the biggest the best spec Abarth petrol car between naught and sixty miles sixty k so thirty five miles an hour whatever it is oh okay so it's really fast so off the mark yeah um, however the the thing I couldn't really live with would be the ride I just it just didn't feel adequately damp to me and I I, I given that Abarth is a big seller comparatively in this country you know. B, uh, smaller only to Italy, mm-hmm. I think a bit more trouble needs to be taken with making the car suit our roads. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that it, it was such a big seller here that Italy was the only bigger market than yeah, that. Yeah, no, cool, they do it? really well. I was quite encouraging that somehow. Yeah. I don't know, I like the, I like the sound of that. Well, and I do pre- like the old, they were a bit, well, they are, the the, the internally combusted Abarth 500s can be a little bit on the firm side, can't they? Yeah. But I like I like the sort of enthusiasm of them. Yeah, is this good? Is it good fun? The electric one? Oh yeah, you you enjoy chucking it around. You just mm. got a. It's another one of those cars where, if you if you just sort of ginger or pussyfoot along, it's not at its best. You know, you yeah. you, you just need to, um, uh, you know, be, behave with in a decisive manner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and like you, a, a, a month or two ago, I rode some Ducatis out of Silverstone, which I live quite near. And yeah. they took us on a little organised route with a couple of photographic stops, cornering shots and things like that. And I spent quite a lot of that route on roads that I don't know, even though they're only 30 miles from my from my house. And I thought, I must remember these because these are good roads. There's something to be said for exploring your neighbourhood and finding decent, just decent stretches, five or you know, five miles here or there or whatever, you know, just... It's, I agree, yeah. And and also, I think doing it on your own is yeah. good because the roads that everybody goes on and they all go on at the same time, they end up cheesing off the locals yeah. who then petition somebody to get average speed cameras or whatever put all the way along it. And just there's something about the road less travelled, I think, isn't there? Oh, that for is sure. compelling. There was a road that we encountered that was so nicely surfaced and so, you know, had all these various variable radius bends on it you know i suppose that you know average speed a good driver might have been 60 60 70 miles an hour mm-hmm. but i just kept thinking if we closed this at one end and closed it at the other it would be a fantastic five mile sprint <laughs> yeah 
But I mean, there was no Armco. There was no, not even a, not even a mark on the road. So it, it wasn't practical. But I yeah. think it would. If I lived nearby, I think I would r- go up and down there a pretty reasonable. Yeah, way. find your uh, yeah, find your time and uh, yeah, pick <laughs> wisely. Uh, Wednesday from Australia's Eastern Creek comes a letter from contributor Peter Robinson. Yeah, Hello, good Peter. old Robbo. Yeah, he well, he'd just been at Eastern Creek. He found this amazing special. Australia has, like everywhere really, but but Australia has a pretty good. Uh, tradition of specials where mm. people didn't have first-class equipment, so they they built cars out of the hardware they had. And this thing is that he found is a is an early '60s amalgam between a uh, a Fiat 500 mm. and and a A series Sprite engine. So if you think of a Fiat 500 with a Sprite hanging out of the boot, well, out out of the back, yeah, <clears throat> that's the car. And and uh, they hooked it up to the existing gearbox, which strikes me as mechanically Ooh, a little. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, but it works apparently, and yeah. and uh, this car has been around and about for, for you know since the early sixties, says mm. Peter, and and um, apparently it set some lap records in its day, but nowadays it's just it's just a, remo- a bit of a bit so that everybody loves. That's pretty cool. And it, you, were you aware of uh, Elfin back in your yeah, time in Australia? Sure was yeah yeah. yeah. Pretty, uh, we viewed them as as you know, sort of marvelous pieces of Australian engineering, but not not realizing that they were kind of nut and bolt replicas of Lotus Sevens and oh, things like that. Yeah, yeah. They had a. Uh, I went over to drive one in oh, two thousand and eight or something. They had a bit of a revamp. Was this under, the Can Am car they had or something? They did do a. Uh, they did a. Oh, I can't remember what they called it. I think it was just called the Elfin Roadster, but it, it looked like a modern day ish seven. But they put a 5.7 liter GM unit in oh, it, as, okay. as as you do an LS <laughs> LS swap, as everybody does, and that was when it was under TWR ownership, wow. and they were doing the Holden Special Vehicles thing. At the, all you know, Walkinshaw's outfit was doing the whole thing at the same time, and uh, and I think they did a two liter Vauxhall conversion type thing as well. But there was also a little museum in Melbourne where they had some of the old specials in. It looked pretty cool. Yeah, really interested. Elfin, I think, is a He's a company that started off in South Australia, mm. in Adelaide. But anyway, um, yeah, I do. I remember them very well. I mean, they were, whew, they were a big deal because they did get up to building Formula Five thousand cars and things. Oh, of course. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they knew about V8. I mean, V8s are part of the culture out there, as you, as you, mm. as you know. Well, yeah. you know yourself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ten years since Dacia started doing business in the UK. Yeah, they had a they had a bit of a bun fight for us. Where you know, extremely nice place just north of the M25, the London Orbital um, barbecue. All the hacks in the world turned up. It just shows you that our our we and our our mates love a a, <laughs> a free barbecue. A free barbecue. <laughs> but it, they made a good point. You know, mm. the Dacia's travelled quite a long way. They launched you know four or five different models, and they've they showed the spring. Uh, right. uh, in the flesh, I hadn't seen one before. You, you, I think you might have done. Springs the 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 budget EV that they no, reckon. I've only it, seen pictures of it too. It looks quite cool in pics. Does yeah. yeah. The story goes that it'll sell it in our market for something under twenty grand. Ooh. Ooh. Which that just seems great to me. I I I love the idea of. I think this is really the way into EVs. You know, the way we've discussed before: cheap car. Becomes a household, friendly household, like a puppy. You know, everybody uses it. Yeah. No great expenditure. Everybody gets used to it. It, 
suddenly the EV is the predominant car in the household. Mm. I mean, that'd work for you, wouldn't it? In your oh, I, I mind think you, so. you, you're always off everywhere, aren't you? Well, yeah, it. I've, I mean, I, th- I think about it now and again because <laughs> we've got this Defender, which I make up. We may get time to come on to later, but it's yeah. I don't know whether an EV works, and it would work as a second car in our household. But then you end up with the thing of going, well, how many cars should you? have you know, yeah is it better to just have one ultimately than yeah. it is to have several from a cost perspective plus a yeah know, plus an environmental perspective are you better off just keeping one for a long time but yeah so the spring is uh what's what sort of size is it is it a small family thing is it the same size as a sandero hatch it's smaller it i'd say than oh, a okay. sandero but a bit you mm. know just uh about the size of an an i10 perhaps oh so little Little, 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 yeah. 3.6, 3.7. Based on Zoe underpants? I don't know. I don't know that. I, sh- I should sh- I should know that, shouldn't I? Oh, you would think that there'd be a relationship, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I, I, that's a thing we need to find out. Sorry, yeah. I should, should have no, no, come no, prepared. No, 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 not at all. I'll tell you what, mate, though. The, the Zoe is... We had one in the office, I think, late last year, and I took it home for a day or two and used it. A decent range for a car of that size, and yeah. I've, and it's just got. I know it's a, an old inverted commas old EV, but it strikes me that it's got the right level of tech, yeah, and the right level of driver assistance and pretty decent rear room and all that. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was really good. Yeah, nice I'll, control I'll, It surprises me that it gets ignored. Yeah, because because um, it's around about right. Mm. Yeah, it would suit so many people. I think. Mm. Yeah, right. Steve and I are going to take a uh, very short break. We'll be back with a bit more My Week in Cars in just a moment. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello, welcome back to My Week in Cars. Now, we have another letter. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com, and Peter Merrigan has done that. So there's a bit in the back of the mag in the new car prices, Steve, where and the road test results, where we pull out some of the features of some old road tests. Yeah. And I think Chris Kummer, are Chief Sub probably does that section because he's keen yeah. archives. He loves it actually, doesn't he? Did. He? he really does, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, he's pulled out two uh, in the 21st of June issue, and Peter writes in to say, on page 67, you detail a Renault Megane road test from 1996, and that was a yellow Megane coupe. Do you remember that three door? I do Megane remember the car, yeah. And an Austin A105 from 1956. And I was amused on one hand by the similarities, but also horrified to read that although the Austin was 639, 639cc larger engined than the Megane and 40 years older, the MPG was basically the same. At 22.1 for the Megane, 22.5 MPG for the Austin. Supposedly 40 years of progress and a much slipperier body, and the Megane could still not better the MPG of the Austin. It's a funny world. It is a funny I world. I mean, and also how remarkable things have changed since 1996. Yeah, I think that's the, that, that's the bigger point, I think, yeah. don't you? Because... If 
if cars in those classes or cars in the Megane class can't double that 44 mpg then mm. that we would see that as rather rubbish yeah i mean if something came turned up today a, a family sized coupe small family hatchback based coupe that came, that turned up and did 22 miles to the gallon on average would be appalled oh, horrified yeah, yeah and so incredible. would the company accountant oh crikey yeah you're not wrong yeah you're not wrong <laughs> i do think peter it may also i mean i th- i suspect most owners are getting more than 22 and got more than 22 at the time but our road tests can be because we do an average and that includes the the work we do at test tracks certain amount of lead footery yeah Yeah. i we did the the astra vxr when they first introduced that we did the performance figures at millbrook and it did i think eight to the gallon because yeah because it's just all because it was all acceleration and braking and so and it's a two liter turbo of you know and a fast car and a fast car really yeah Yeah. really fast car oh yeah we it took some time to try and match Vauxhall's acceleration claim, I think, because you have to get the clutch slip just right, and then, oh, of course, okay. you do it twice, and the clutch gets too hot, so you have to go and cool it off somewhere. And <laughs> it, was a, it was a long evening. It's a long summer's evening, I remember very fondly. Actually, Boy, but it was, yeah, cool thing. So, yeah, uh, but you're right. I mean, it's... Phew, crikey. The progress since has been rapid. Stella, yeah. 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 Uh, shall we talk my column briefly? Yes, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so it's in two bits... First bit, the Morgan Super 3. They have just federalised it for sale in the USA, which is pretty cool. And they is it would, very different? No, there's some reflectors on the side, as far as I can see, and, the, and uh, some reflect, some red reflectors on the... So orange on the side and a couple of red ones on the back near the number plate. But it doesn't have to have any bodywork addenda or anything, as far as I can tell. And those headlights, which normally sit around sort of wheel width just inside the wheels they've been moved to the middle uh just in front of the radiator grill but i think you can get those as optional spotlights in the uk and elsewhere anyway so right. actually they look but yeah for, for some reason in the states they have to be within the bodywork oh. the, the headlights have to be within the bodywork so they're much closer together actually it would probably be safer if they were further apart yeah but anyway there's what it is anyway. so no it looks good Looks good. And they've specced this, um, whoever chose the spec of it to do their photo shoot and video shoot out there. It's in white with uh, a little bit of sort of sand coloured nose and those yellowy wind deflector aero screens that it has. So it looks fantastic in oh, the sort of Californian light. Looks just perfect. There's so really many good. alternatives, aren't there? I love mm. the fact. Yeah. yeah anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's that's out there. And I just thought. Well, actually, you thought because you because I was struggling to find a subject for my column, and you helped me out. You said, "Isn't it great that they've got a new car that embodies all of the traditional characteristics of that brand?" And that's not easy to do in the modern age, is it? No, because no, no. Uh, I think they do it. There's that new Caterham Project Five, Project V, Project Five, presumably, yeah. which is an EV but is light-ish. So that sort of encompasses the Caterham ethos mm. but not it's not going to be as light as a no. seven by any means um and some people have said that in the sort of below the line stuff comments about the new lotus electra which is a two and a half ton suv they've gone colin wouldn't like that would he because no. it's two and a half tons and i don't think he'd mind it if it made a load of money personally, no, to no. be honest with you right. but yeah but it is hard for a company that embodies lightweight in its ethos yeah. to continue that into that, that seems to be the major problem, doesn't it? Yeah. Lightness makes me admire the BMW i3 some more, which is a car mm. I continue to look at because they weigh thirteen hundred or thirteen hundred and Do something. They? 
Oh, God, yeah. Which is only 200 more than my Alpine, yeah. which, which is aluminium and a, an ice car. Mm. I, I, I think it's, that's going to come to be seen as an achievement, that car, yeah. because I can't think of an EV that's as light. No, no, nor can I. I think they get more and more appealing. Yeah, I think the i8 also as a plug-in hybrid gets more and more appealing yeah, to looks me. Looks good. Well. Yeah, won't it be funny? You know, where people are scrabbling for those in a, in a few years and uh, as a classic. Yeah, it is strange. And I so for complicated reasons, I'm now I've got a Series One Lotus Elise outside my house for a couple of months, <laughs> right. and and that looks as a modern classic looks fantastic. It's a 1998 car, so I still think of it as a new car. But I look at it now and I go, oh no, it is a it is a a classic in, yeah. to an extent and it yeah. and it's but yeah because it's so light so usable so everything else I mean, yeah and, it, and durable i think seems to be yeah, yeah they, it seems to be i had a couple of them and mm. and i always thought the same they, there's just no discernible i could never see any particular deterioration unless you no. bounce it off something no i mean this has got Sixty thousand. I mean, there'll be more in the mag in a in a in a month or two's time. But it's got sixty thousand miles on it, or thereabouts. Feels as rigid as the day it was made to me. And it's been reasonably well looked after of late. You know, it doesn't corrode because it's aluminium, and the the bodywork looks has got some bubbling underneath a sort of gel coat on the plastic okay, or whatever. Yeah. So it that sort of degrades a little, but it's. I mean, it still feels as tight as anything. So we're going to be hearing about this car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh, that's it's a, a slightly long. It's a slightly long story. That, but my my friend Simon Scott Russell, who is a Lotus specialist, has it. Doesn't do any. He said it did thirty miles last year. Could well, you write something about? Could you want to run it for a, for a, for a bit? Help me out. Just put some miles on it. I said, yeah, I'd be nice happy way to, to do be it. asked to help out. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Phoned up my insurer and said, how about putting on a Lotus Elise on my insurance left outside? And they went, well, that'd be three hundred quid for pretty much the rest of the year i thought well that's pretty good value yeah so yeah and it do and i mean i from experience that little k-series engine will do 30 odd 40 to the gallon maybe yeah i, I mean, think you, yeah. Oh, you'll enjoy it oh, i love it i'm loving it already yeah, yeah. Be, been outside for three days but I'm, I'm totally smitten by it oh i'm looking forward to the stories yeah simon tells me it's not for sale but i wonder if that's uh i wonder if he's trying to tempt me into <laughs> Dangling the carrot, <laughs> I believe they're they're just gently wandering up in value now. Yeah, I think they might be. Yeah, I suspect they are. Yeah. I think I paid for mine. I paid eleven or twelve or something, but I think they're more than that now. Yeah, well, I've insured this one for fourteen, oh, and it's and it's a catsy right off at some point repaired very well, and passes an MOT with no advisories every single year because it's very well looked after. But just just a real joy to drive something that light and. But also with the, you know, the fabulous steering they have that tells you everything you need to know and nothing you don't. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know the ride that sort of skips over most things. Brilliant. What was the, there's another bit on the end of your column? Oh, you? it's just yeah. So on the way to work this morning, I passed a Land Rover Defender One Ten, uh, the uh, old shape, you know, twenty twenty ten yeah. or thereabouts, and it had a little handwritten note in the back window, which said "essential working vehicle" just on a scrap of paper, sellotaped or taped to the back window. And I thought inside the back window. I thought that's weird. Why would you, why would you put that in the back window? And I can't think of any other reason than just to say to people, this isn't, yeah, this isn't an urban four by four. This isn't yeah. a, as we said, the thingy people Panzer, as we were talking about the other week. Yeah. You know, this is a. I've got to have one of these. And I thought, well, what a shame that you feel like you have to tell people that. Yeah. You know, I mean, one, what business is it of anybody else? What you've got a vehicle for in the first place? But yeah, what kind of 
Are you worried somebody's going to come and let the tyres down or stick a key down? And yeah. I just thought, what a... So, it, because I, in my experience, a defender of... Well, I've got an older defender than that, TD5, and it does more than 30 to the gallon, and it has done 230,000 miles without bits. Well, too many bits falling yeah. off of it. It's incredibly durable. So, from that point of view, there are many cars I could own that would not attract the ire of people who don't like 4x4s that would not be that but you would have had to replace it wouldn't you if yeah. it, if it wasn't to, so durable yeah. you'd have I've had to replace it or something you know and if I had a big estate car that might not have done any more than 30 to the gallon and it no. might have worn out twice by now yeah. and I just thought it was a a bit of a shame that somebody feels like if they if indeed they did feel like they had to put that in the back window to to I don't know to, yeah. to stop people flicking v's at them or something i don't yeah, know it yeah. just no, felt, I got it. Yeah. it just felt weird i just i just thought it was it is a shame yeah, yeah but i don't know unless it unless it was there to say something else but i can't think why you put that in the back window <laughs> otherwise yeah so uh. yeah but i have got a pony club sticker in the back of my defender window <laughs> which maybe suggests the same thing that i've left there for longer than it strictly needs to be there <laughs> but maybe to say i don't know maybe i think maybe i feel the same so i just think i'll just leave it there so people know this is a working yeah. Vehicle. So perhaps it's a thing. I don't yeah, know. Yes, it is. Um, talk to me about Makina. Oh yeah, the, this uh, interesting story. This um, just straight over the horizon came this um, this concept, which uh, we heard about out of the blue. It's a, mm. it's badged a Triumph. It's called a Triumph TR25. It's a modern uh, version recreation i guess you would say of a tr2 that was built in a pre-production tr2 that was built in 1952 and went to jebeki the mm. you know the belgian piece of motorway yeah. that was used for speed records the the original car set a 124th miles an hour speed record for sub two liter engines mm -hmm. and the the principles of of machina who are almost unknown 25-year-old company that's been working oh. um, working on uh, doing design work for OEMs and, you know, for big car companies and, and has never come to notice. You, you know how there are plenty of companies that are quite secretive or yeah. kept, uh, required to be secretive about mm. what they do. Anyway, Machina have suddenly come over the horizon with this car, which they're going to display. They're, there's a launch tomorrow night as we record this on our Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, um, it's a really lovely thing. It's a it's a little two liter engine. Uh, to, sorry, two seater that's that's got a fared in passenger. Excuse me, passenger seat. Yeah, which is the speed record TR two has as well. Yeah. yeah, it looks great. It mm. looks really great. The the original TR two was bought in twenty twenty by the British Motor Museum and is displayed there. Oh, cool. um, we apparently the. The National Heritage Fund paid a couple of hundred grand for it. Wow! Um, and it's there. It is, and mm. and I think it's really clever for these guys to choose that car to reprise it. Beautiful looking thing, sort of thoroughly modern. You can see the the references to the original, but it's it's so modern, beautiful. Mm. I like really the, nice. the rear light treatment is particularly special because oh, it looks great. like it spears through the body and sticks out the bottom and is in a kind of thin tail kind of yeah i thought it really nicely oh, clever detailed. stuff yeah do, do bmw own the triumph car name yeah i believe they own the name mm. i believe that machina principles were able to get use of the triumph name 
which I think shows two things, that Machina is a valued supplier of BMW <laughs> and has been for a while. Mm. I'm only making that assumption. I don't know for sure, but it certainly sounds like it. Yeah. And it also sounds, I think, the fact that BMW is a, is allowing that name out means that they're not serious about you know putting triumphs into production. Oh, interesting. I think they're they're just being nice to a to a valued supplier. Yeah, and that's what happened with Triumph Motorcycle. Did, was, is the Triumph Motorcycle? Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot because there's no reason you should know this. But is the Triumph Motorcycle's name completely entirely separated, separate? Entirely I separated yeah. now, like Rolls Royce and Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah. There may have been because the Triumph Car Company started from a bicycle maker. Mm-hmm. It is possible that they crossed over at some stage. You know, remember all the strange contortions of Daimler in the early days. Yeah. But I don't believe there's a modern connection of it. You know, when I say modern, you know, not since World War One or something like that. Mm. I think that now, hang on, from memory, I think the first Triumph car was in the twenties. Okay. It was produced in the twenties, and there's no reference in in its history to any link with motorcycles. Oh, okay. And are we likely to see? more than one of these I don't know cars, do it, it depends on the motives of Machina I think because mm. they have been secretive all these years they've been according to the whispers that you hear they've been doing really top quality work but they've made a decision to go public and produce a car that shows off their capabilities mm. but particularly apparently they're good at getting hold of old marks and bringing them forward okay. and this is a great example of that and they must have a motive you know mm. perhaps they're that just means they want to be well known. It, you know, perhaps it's a way of moving into a different type of activity. There, as I say, there's an event tomorrow night, as as we speak. Mm. Um, it will have been six days ago by the time this goes to air. But but uh, we'll know. I'll are ask you, the question. Are you go- oh, you're going along. Yeah, I'm going oh, along. Good. I'm really fascinated yeah. with the thing. I'm also in. Uh, what I like about it is the fact that it is not an old car reborn in a way that it's not a resto mod if you know what i mean it's no. not they haven't just done an aluminium body on something that already i think it's lovely the, though some of those examples are yeah they're not my they're not my bag no I mean, no 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 know. the joy of it i think is that you even if it didn't have this reference to the tr2 1952 3 it it would stand on its own it just yeah. looks lovely yeah i was saying that to ben summerall you'd our picture editor and renderer who we'll talk about in a second actually yeah earlier and i said if i'd never seen a tr2 before i think i would think that would look spectacular me too today yeah. absolutely agree with you and finally we will finish on this then because it's rarely right to boast about autocar content but <laughs> go on let's talk well, about ben uh, summerall you'd because well he, he just drew last last week he drew this really lovely i mean he it's a spectacular bloke isn't he mm. he's a sort of world's most modest man and he and he just draws these cars with with a ease to yeah. me because he's a, a he's a picture he's our picture editor isn't he but yeah. he is also he also does our artistic renderings and a train car designer from train Coventry. Car designer, yeah, yeah and does our renderings of of future models that's it yeah and he but he knocks them out in a ridiculously short time, mm. uh, you know, and yet they look beautifully finished. And but anyway, he drew this this Alpha, a, a sort of Alpha SZ-ish car, his interpretation of a, of an Alpha SZ as it would be today, and it just it just hit the spot for me. I thought the way he used the uh, the all the Alpha assets and the you know the beautiful stance and the greenhouse, it was, it was just lovely. Mm. And I uh, so I thought I would. Tell him he's a hero. He is, yeah. And uh, am I right in thinking that the t- the reborn TVR Griffith 
looked slightly different before they saw Autocar's images that Ben had done. So am, am I imagining that, or am I not remembering that rightly? Okay. I think they may have. I think we may have done some. Ben may have knocked up some Autocar images of the new TVR, and they had a look and thought, "Oh yeah, we quite like. Hang on a minute. Like yeah. <laughs> well, I can quite see it because yeah. I mean, all the time, we, you know, outcome his his things, his speculative drawings, and and we think, well, if they are not going to do it like that, they damn well should. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's yeah. so clever. Mm. He is. Uh, you can see more of Ben's uh, work in. The Autocar, which is on sale every Wednesday. You can find it on the newsstands, as it has been weekly since 1895. You can get it on digital subscription, which I like very much. You can find us over at autocar.co.uk, and you can find stuff on the YouTube. And we're all uh, we're all over all of the socials as well, as is the modern media landscape, isn't it, Steve? We're even in broom cupboards every Wednesday. I believe at so. Live. <laughs> so, Steve, thank you very much for joining me for the last half an hour. Cheers, thank mate. you for listening. We'll see you next time.